the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 523rd episode of the History Ghost Bump podcast, Ghost Tours for the Theater of the Mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we're covering a location suggested by our listener, Amy Martinez, and that is the Cedar Grove Mansion, which is today the inn at Cedar Grove. Lots of ghosts here. <laughs> Before we get into that, we want to welcome into the spectacular crew, Dolores. Thank you so much for joining our Facebook group. And now this moment, Nodity. The moment in oddity was suggested by Michael Rogers. We all know the saying, if it's too good to be true, then it probably isn't. However, in this particular story, it is true. Around a year ago, there was a video that went viral. Most of us know what a child's stick horse looks like because it's been known as a child's toy since the 16th century. Nowadays, stick horses typically come with a full plush head and, of course, the attached stick. Some people may argue that a plushie could be mistaken for a real animal. But most would suggest that if you think a plushie looks alive, then you need glasses. As powerful as birds of prey eyes are, one would think they would not make this same error. However, a great horned owl did just that and may need its own pair of spectacles. Apparently, the flawed focus of the feathered friend thought a plushie child's stick horse was something he could consume. Or he just knew how famous he would get by flying through the skies carrying the toy. Photos of the owl look very much like a witch flying on a broomstick. Or perhaps he's playing Quidditch. Either one in our books makes him amazing. Regardless, an owl flying around with a child stick horse certainly makes him odd. This history podcast is haunted. And now, this month in history. month of February on the 5th in 1922, the first Reader's Digest magazine was published. The founders, DeWitt Wallace and his wife, Lila, created the condensed selection of articles that were of topical interest and entertainment news. The magazine was pocket-sized and appealed to readers of the time despite being rejected by many magazine publishers. Eventually, Wallace began to create commissioned articles. He offered the articles to other publications, and once they were published, Wallace would reprint them in Reader's Digest and pay the other magazine a reprinting fee. Slowly, the magazine began printing its original articles. Many editors disliked this practice by Wallace. The Digest was also proposed as an impartial journal, but was sometimes denounced for the publisher's often conservative point of view. 
By the late 20th century, Reader's Digest was producing 39 editions around the globe in 15 different languages and is still a popular magazine today. The city of Vicksburg was indelibly marked by the Civil War. After it surrendered, rumors claimed that the Union pillaged the city. Many of the historic locations there have a spiritual residue because of that fact. One of these places is the Cedar Grove Inn. The inn was not only a residence, but it eventually served as a Civil War hospital and morgue, and has had infant deaths and accidental shootings connected to it. The stories of haunting activity at this location are plentiful. Join us as we explore the history and hauntings of the Cedar Grove Inn. Vicksburg sits high on a series of bluffs overlooking the Mississippi River and was part of the Choctaw Nation until the United States purchased it in 1801. Before that, the French had built a fort here and were later attacked by the Natchez tribe that lived throughout the region. The Choctaw helped the French defeat the Natchez, and that was why the Choctaw owned the land. The city of Vicksburg was founded in 1811 and incorporated in 1825. Methodist minister Nowit Vick founded a mission here, and so the town was named for him. So it's Vicksburg. Pretty cool. Good thing I never founded a place because could you imagine a place called Studentsburg? Studentville. Yeah. The mural excitement took place in 1835, and this involved a mob of residents who were tired of the gambling element in their city. Some of these gamblers had shot and killed a local doctor, so they expelled all but five of the gamblers from Vicksburg. The five remaining gamblers were hanged. Don't mess with Vicksburg. Clearly. They felt like these people were being very rude to them, too, and treating them like they were less than, so they'd had enough. The Cedar Grove Mansion started out as a personal residence built by jeweler and banker John Alexander Klein. He was born in 1812 in Virginia and moved to Vicksburg in 1836. John married Elizabeth Bartley Day in 1842, and they had 10 children. Oh, my goodness. Four of them wouldn't make it into adulthood, two dying as infants. Klein had the three-story Greek Revival mansion built in 1840 right after he met Elizabeth in New Orleans. When they married, she was 16 and he was 30. Quite the May-December. Yeah, a little bit of (laughs) an age difference there. And of course, he met her two years before when he started building the house, which means she was only 14 when they met. So he was just biding his time until she was 16. The couple traveled Europe for two years after marrying, buying furniture for their new home. As their family expanded, so too did the mansion. A south wing was added, and then later a north wing. And then the Civil War started, and Vicksburg would face the Siege of Vicksburg. Both sides of the war had their eyes on Vicksburg because of its strategic location along the Mississippi River. Jefferson Davis said of Vicksburg that it was the nailhead that holds the South's two halves together. And Abraham Lincoln knew that taking Vicksburg was the key to winning. The campaign in Vicksburg began in 1862. The Battle of Vicksburg itself began on May 18, 1863, with the Union troops under General Grant. He initially tried to cross the Mississippi into rebel territory at Grand Gulf on April 29, but they were repelled. The Union moved further south and eventually clashed with the Confederate troops under General John Pemberton. The Confederates retreated to Vicksburg, and the Union followed. 
Major General William Sherman was waiting just northeast of the city. The Confederates had an early win and pushed back the Union, but the Union made another push two days later, and they had a small victory. Interestingly, Kelly, the major road used during both of these skirmishes was named Graveyard Road. Oh. Maybe you don't want to have a battle on (laughs) Graveyard Road. That just doesn't sound like it's very promising. I like the name of the road, though. (laughs) And I I don't know if it was named that afterward or before. Ah. But, you know, a lot of our streets here are called Cemetery Road when they lead to a cemetery. So there might have been a cemetery at the end of it or something. True. General Grant was frustrated with the lack of Union success, so he opted to lay siege to Vicksburg. The rationing of supplies and food and constant bombardment from the Union wore down Pemberton's troops. The residents of Vicksburg had to abandon their homes and seek refuge in crudely dug caves because they were constantly shelling the city. So This was true for the Kleins as well, which was a good thing because the house suffered damage during the shelling. A cannonball is still lodged in the wall of the gentleman's parlor. Oh, my goodness. I'll see if I can put a picture of that up on Instagram. Yeah. And there's a hole, I think, in the, I don't know if it's the parlor floor or the ballroom floor or something, but there's still a hole in the floor, too, where a cannon hit. Goodness. General Grant had his men dig tunnels and set explosives under the Confederate works, which turned out to be a huge explosion that left behind a 12-foot deep crater. Lots of hand-to-hand combat followed, but the Confederates persisted. General Pemberton finally agreed to meet with Grant to discuss surrender, but made no such agreement because Grant wanted it to be unconditional. Grant later reconsidered and offered parole to the Confederates, and the siege ended on July 4, 1863. Interesting day, and because of that day, for 80 years, Vicksburg would not celebrate July 4th. Oh, wow. Wow, 80 years, huh? Yeah, because at first I'd heard that, and I'm like, why wouldn't they celebrate July 4th for 80 years? And then I saw, oh, that's when the siege ended. There were over 32,000 Confederate casualties to the Union's 4,900. The Klein's mansion was turned into a field headquarters and hospital to care for the wounded. The Klein family themselves had retreated to a home they had north of Vicksburg called Ball Ground Plantation. They were able to make this move before the siege because of an important connection. Elizabeth Klein was the niece of William Tecumseh Sherman. At the time, Elizabeth was pregnant with the couple's ninth child, and her uncle told her to get out of the town. As a show of thanks, that child was named William Tecumseh Sherman Klein. Controversy surrounded the Klein family as their neighbors saw them as Union sympathizers, and they probably were, as many of those neighbors fell on hard times after the war, but the Kleins came through just fine. Now, part of the reason they were able to keep their fortune is that they hid it in plain sight. They had a custom-made piece of furniture that was actually a compartment safe. I think we've talked about these compartment safes before. The Union had no idea that it wasn't just a piece of fancy furniture. This piece of furniture still sits in the dining room. I'll oh, see if very I can get a picture cool. of that too. Because it really does. It just looks like something that you maybe were storing your china in if you weren't putting it on display. John Klein was able to build four more homes in Vicksburg for his children. The Corners for Susan, Bellevue for George, Flowery for John Jr., and Annabelle for Madison. Three of those mansions still stand today, and I've heard that the Corners and Annabelle are also haunted. So they definitely like ghosts in the Klein family. (laughs) Tragedy struck for the Klein family in 1879 when 15-year-old Willie Klein, that's the one who was named for General Sherman, was on the front porch with a loaded rifle and the rifle got knocked over. He was on there with a friend. I don't know if they were roughhousing, somebody tripped or what happened, but that gun went off and Willie was shot in the chest. How terrible. 
I've heard multiple stories about how that exactly happened. This is the story that I heard the most. I also heard that he'd gotten shot in the back. There was another book that I read that he got shot in the eye, but the chest seems to be the one that definitely seems to have happened. And then the story goes that he crawled up the stairs all the way to the second floor of the house and died there. I've also heard that he died on the porch. So I don't know where exactly he passed away, but it was right there at the house from this accident. And the Kleins never got over that death. I mean, does any parent ever get over the death of a child? Especially in such a horrible way. Elizabeth wore black for the rest of her life, and John was depressed for the next five years until his death in 1884. Elizabeth died in 1909. The Klein family held on to the mansion until 1919. The house was sold to the Tonner family, and they lived in it for 17 years. The Podesta family were the next owners for 14 years. In 1960, the Vicksburg Theater Guild stepped in because the mansion was facing demolition. They used the ballroom to put on plays, one of which was Gold in the Hills, which holds the world record for longest-running show. The Guild also hosted tours of the house. By 1981, the house was launching into what it would become for the rest of its time, and that was a hotel. The first innkeepers were the Kinsmans, and then the Mackeys took over. The small family bought the property in 2003, and they ran it until 2018 when it was donated. In 2018, Mark Zipperer, who owned Pride Hospitality, bought the inn and closed the restaurant. He sold it in 2020 to THEP Corporation, which was co-owned by Tommy Hughes, who was a direct descendant of George Klein. Tommy shut down the B&B and started doing renovations. In 2022, the current owners, Harley Caldwell and Dr. Stephen and Kendra Reed, bought the property and they made major renovations and reopened as the Inn at Cedar Grove. The Inn offers Riverview Suites, Carriage House Rooms, pool cabanas, and rooms in the mansion. One of those rooms is the General Grant suite, which still holds a bed that General Grant slept in for three days. Obviously, they've changed out the mattresses, I'm sure. but I would hope. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very cool-looking bed, and I think I'd also heard that it was John Klein's master bed. Nice. Pretty cool. One of the more prominent spirits here is John Klein himself. This was his home that he loved, and the gentleman's parlor was his favorite space. He enjoyed sitting in a chair and enjoying his pipe. And that is what many people claim about the parlor, that they smell pipe smoke. Other activity here includes the apparitions of children, usually a young girl and an older boy, which totally fits two of the children that died that were Klein children, and the disembodied sounds of children and babies. Disembodied moaning is heard. And glasses go flying off shelves on their own. There's a bed that sometimes looks like someone is laying in it when no one is there. The spirits of soldiers are seen around the inn as well. And I went over to our handy-dandy trip advisor to see if we had any reviews about ghostly visitations during stays. And I found one from Stephanie W. from 2014. And if we're going to stay at this place, this is the room that we want. It sounds very cool. Sounds good to me. We stayed in the library suite, which is a two-level suite. The top level was the original homeowner's library with a spiral staircase leading down to his wine cellar. The wine cellar was used as a morgue during the time that the Union Army used the home as a hospital, and that's where the bed is. So you would be sleeping in a previously (laughs) used morgue area. The private patio is a bit creepy as it's boxed in with thick lattice and there's no light out there. It's also a bit mossy out there as well. I found the place to be exceptionally clean and well-maintained. The first thing I did when settled into our room was to open the bookcases and manhandle the books, some dating back as far as 1829. 
I would love to be able to do. Oh my gosh! I mean, we're gently. Staying. We're not going to manhandle them. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe you shouldn't use the term manhandle. This may have been the reason I received so much attention later in the night. After a few drinks in the bar and a very well prepared meal in the restaurant, we turned in early. Two hours later, the fun began. I awoke to a very loud series of noises. It sounded like someone had busted into the room above us, the library. My mother in the bed next to me said she hadn't heard it, but it sounded to her like someone was humming in her ear. So they're hearing a loud noise upstairs, and now the mom's getting something right in her ear. Nearly panic-stricken, my first thoughts were of the rational and explainable, and I was sure I'd left my purse upstairs. So I wanted to go see if someone had indeed busted into the room, but I was frozen in fear in the bed. There was a general feeling of uneasiness and an angry air about the room that night, and I was afraid to put my feet on the floor and walk up the stairs. It is important to note that I go looking for these things. She likes to stay in haunted locations because the first paragraph that I didn't add into this, she was supposed to stay at the Myrtle's Plantation and something got double booked. So this was like a second choice. She didn't even know this place was haunted. But that's what she's always looking to stay in, like you and I. Let's find someplace haunted and old to stay. I'm the person who quickly jumps up to investigate the strange noise down the dark corridor. But that night, I felt real fear for the first time. After gathering my courage, I was able to go up and see that the door remained securely locked and nothing was out of place. The room still felt wrong, but it was late and we were tired, so we laid down and tried to get back to sleep. That was when the non-existent mosquitoes began their attack. It felt as though I was being bitten all over and they kept buzzing in my ears to the point that I was smacking my ears so hard they rang. I itched all over, thinking I was being eaten alive by mosquitoes. Eventually, the attack ceased and I was able to sleep for a few more hours. In the morning, there were no signs of there having been mosquitoes in the room and I had no bites. The next night, as darkness fell, we began to get a bit anxious about spending another night in the room. There were a few more couples staying in the house that night, and we happily offered tours of our room, trying to make light of the experiences from the previous night. I think it's very cool they were letting people see what it looked like. As we stood in the library chatting with our fellow guests, someone or something whispered loudly in my ear. Nobody else heard it. I could clearly see everyone in the room, and I couldn't quite make out what the voice had said. Nothing more out of the ordinary happened during our stay. Oh, my goodness. I've never heard this non-existent mosquitoes stinging and buzzing all around you and you have nothing to show for the next day. Even if it was no seams. Right. You still still get little bites bites and bumps. Huh. And you wouldn't hear no seams buzzing around your ear. No. And generally speaking, because we definitely have experience with this since we live in Florida. As a matter of fact, we just killed a mosquito while we were having breakfast this morning that probably came in last (laughs) night when we were trying to wrap our plants from freezing. And they usually don't come in as like a whole group and start buzzing. You usually have that one and you might hear it buzzing in your ear a little bit and then you're trying to smack it. Been there, done that. Never had like a whole pile of mosquitoes when you're inside. Yeah. (laughs) Very interesting. Goodness. Well, maybe she should have been more respectful of the books. You you weren't supposed (laughs) to get into them, I guess. I don't know. Well, I I think that they would caution you about that. But maybe just instead of saying manhandling, I don't know if she was being rough with them. I hope not. Well, the thing, too, to keep in mind here is that this was the Klein family's home. A lot of these are probably their things. And they're clearly some of the spirits that are still hanging out here. So they might just be like, stop touching our stuff. Right. 
Well, if we do go here, I'll kindly address the spirits before looking at the <laughs> the books. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we usually are pretty respectful about, can I touch this? Can I look at this? Yeah, we always are. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The former Cedar Grove chef said, It was Christmas time and the entire banister of the hallway was covered with garland and ribbons. I came in that morning and I was told I had left the front door wide open last night. I didn't. I never do. I'm good about locking up. But this exchange went back and forth a couple times until I suggested that we take a look at the security tapes. And I'm assuming this exchange probably was fairly heated, like you're about to lose your job kind of thing. Yeah, I would imagine. See, there's a motion-activated security camera above each door, so I knew this would prove me right. We rewound the tape. Around 1 a.m., the front door blasts open, then closes, then opens, closes about halfway, opens again, then finally closes most of the way. Wow. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So it's not even just seeing the door slowly opening on its own. This is like... Some forceful stuff. Yeah. The maintenance guy said that some wind must have blown it open and caused all that. I told him to look at that garland. It doesn't move. There's no wind. A lot of nights during winter, we won't have any overnight guests. Even so, you'll hear doors shut upstairs, children laughing, cold spots, and footsteps in the hallway pretty regularly, especially in room six, the children's room above the front desk. The ballroom is the worst. To me, it's the most haunted place in there. The Podesta daughter shot herself in the head in there. Occasionally, you'll hear gunshots, screams, and music. Always music. 2.30 to 3.30 a.m. is usually the most active time. Now, I didn't include this story about the Podesta daughter because I didn't see it in any of the histories that I was reading about this or even on the actual website for the inn itself. But the chef has said this, and then I'm going to be sharing some stuff out of a book, too, and also talked about the fact that this young woman was having some mental illness issues, and shot herself in the ballroom. Many personal stories have been collected over the years from guests. Our listener, Amy, who suggested this location, has been to it, and when she was there, she smelled pipe smoke in the gentleman's parlor, which is one of the things that people get. So I thought that was cool. And then her parents, I don't know if this was at a different time or if they were with her at that time, but they had been there as well, and they heard a baby crying in the former nursery again another thing that people claim to have happened there. Other guests have said, one night I heard a glass break in the bar area. Naturally, I wanted to go check it out. On the way, I heard a couple more break, one at a time. I assumed that the bartender had accidentally dropped them. As I walk in there, I notice the bartender standing far away from the bar and the last glass sliding off the shelf on its own. Oh my. (laughs) And they didn't describe this, but I'm sure when they looked over at the bartender on the far side of the room, Their jaw was probably hitting the floor. My husband and I were in the grant room, and I walked to one of the large windows, which looks out on the front garden area. I stood there looking until I felt a finger run down my spine from my neck to my lower back. I jumped and turned, expecting my husband to be standing there, but he was on the other side of the room. Ah, flirty spirit. Ah, we've got some (laughs) dead soldiers here. They might have been like, hey. And I know the one time that I think I was 
touched. It was probably by a soldier and it was something on the back of my head. So they do like to touch your backsides. My husband and I stayed in 2002 and it was very scary. We stayed in the Victoria suite. I woke up the first night with something scratching on the side of my bed. I thought that it was my husband's arm under my head. But then I turned towards him and realized he was on the other side of the bed. The next thing I remember is something pushing my arm as if trying to wake me up. I was too scared to open my eyes. In the morning, I asked the front desk if the place was haunted. They said that our suite was the old nursery and that the children always tried to wake up the parent on the right side of the bed. Interesting. That night, I was very tired and left my husband to relax on the rooftop. I went back to the suite and left the light on in the bathroom. (laughs) I think I might do the same thing. (laughs) One form of a nightlight. Yep. He told me the next morning that there wasn't any light on when he came to the room. While he was in the shower, I heard a strange clanging sound over by the dresser. Turns out that the change my husband had thrown onto the bureau rearranged itself in a line and all the pennies were turned face down. Interesting. Okay, so you know why that's even more interesting because who's on a penny? Lincoln. So these would not have been fans of President Lincoln. Correct. I don't think this would have been the Klein family because they were union sympathizers. Right. So they may have been okay with the President Lincoln. and It could have been a soldier. So maybe it was a Confederate soldier turning those pennies down. That's fascinating. I love that story. We knew the history of this home being used as a hospital during the Civil War and the basement being used as a morgue. The Lee Room had to have been part of that area as well because it felt cold, thick, and had a feeling of separation as well. Just on the other side of the wall in the Lee Room was the library suite sleeping area, which claims to be the morgue section. But rest assured, the Lee Room had seen its share, too. It wasn't the most comfortable in the lower area of the home, but that's just me. One lady asked us where our little boy was. We told her we did not have kids. She said a little boy had just run in her room, turned on and off the light, and ran out. (laughs) We We asked the front desk, and they said that there were no children staying on the premises at that time. My husband and I went to the area for our 41st wedding anniversary. I have to say, this place is very nice. It is lovely, and the food was wonderful. But there is stuff there. I felt it immediately when I went to our room to put our things away. I asked whatever it was to please leave us alone, as this was a celebration of our anniversary and we wanted to enjoy it. I have to say, whatever it was did as I asked, and we were never frightened. But there were workers there scared to death especially one girl who worked in the dining room, who was terrified of the stairs and the hallways. I was all over this house and took pictures with my cell phone and got a heck of a surprise when I looked at them later. In one picture, you can just see the trailing hem of a lady's long dress. The picture was taken at daybreak as I sat in the room with the cannonball lodged in the wall. I did not get any feelings of dread or terror, but felt at times an atmosphere of quiet, gentle sadness. Sometime in the night, I was laying on my right side. The bed cover was turned back. Under my left elbow, that cover and sheet were tucked firmly. Something pulled the cover from under my left arm, and I could feel the cover pull tight over my foot as it started to pull the cover back over my left shoulder and tuck it into my neck. I could sense a face very close to my face. I was fully awake, but I could not open my eyes. I think I was afraid to in anxiety of what may await. I could not speak. I was trying to say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I finally regained my speech. As I protested loudly, an electric shock went through my body. Every hair on me was standing up. I knew with absolute certainty that something was in the room with me. 
Sounds like the spirit passed through her, too. Yeah, and she's laying down. So did it get on top of her or Ooh. what? That's pretty freaky. Architectural photographer Seth Parker wrote on his blog that his experiences at the inn were very tame, but that he did capture an interesting picture. He wrote, On the surface, there's not much to it, but looking in the mirror, there's a figure that looks like it could be the form of a human in a gray shirt, sweater, coat. I was wearing a black t-shirt. This was a long exposure, and I'm very familiar with cameras and how they work. It's possible that someone was standing there when I snapped the photo, then moved to create the blur during the long exposure. I shoot architecture for a living, so I'm usually quite aware of when someone is in my shot, especially in reflections, because those are difficult to edit out. I never noticed anyone. Based on their positioning in the photo and the height of everything around it, my best guess is that the person was close to my height, six foot four. This person would have needed to be behind me and to my left. It could also be a number of other things. I would categorize it as mildly interesting over paranormal without more evidence to the contrary. So here's the pictures that he took, Kelly, and I will put these up on Instagram. It's in the gentleman's parlor. And this is a side mirror that's between a couple of windows. And I don't even know how he saw it because it's kind of distant. Oh, yeah. But when you look at it real close, then he, he brought it up closer. And when you look at the mirror magnified... Looks like a Confederate soldier. I would say that is a Confederate soldier. I mean, it's no doubt about it to me. And it's just interesting where it is because, you know, we always say, if I'm not there taking the picture, I kind of doubt it. Mirrors can be weird things. Right. But like he said, this would have to be past him. And even if it was a real person, it looks, it's, it's like blurry. You, you can't make it out. It's just like the colorings of the image. I would right. think if you captured a person in a mirror, you're going to see the person in the mirror. Because over here, there's a big mirror that's over the fireplace. Right. And it's reflecting the smaller mirror. And you can see clear as day the staircase that's probably out in that hallway. So if you had a person who's standing there, you would be able to see that person clear as day too. Right. And... It doesn't look blurred so much as if there's movement. To me, no. it looks more like it's translucent. Yeah. And I will say, I went and looked at his Instagram because I wanted to see what other pictures he took. And he has some pretty cool pictures there. He's definitely a professional. He makes some of these buildings, especially more modern day buildings, look really cool too. And I think he specifically chooses sometimes to have somebody in the picture because he'll do stuff for ads. Because at this one place, it was the same person in a couple of pictures. So I'm like, that's his wife or somebody he brought with him. And you can tell the difference between blurry movement and this person that would just have been standing there. Right. And it, it, it doesn't look, like you said, it doesn't look blurry. So I think he legitimately caught something here and he wasn't trying to. He was just taking a picture probably for advertising. And again, a professional, you're going to make sure that there's not anything else in your picture. Seth had a bartender tell him the following story when he was staying there. So he, when he was taking these pictures, he was staying with his, I think he said his nine-year-old son or something. There are several buildings on the premises that house all 33 rooms. One building close to the main house by the pool sits near the parking area. There are two rooms in this building. Last night, the guests in one of those rooms called and complained about the guests in the adjoining room. They were being too loud. It sounded as if they were moving furniture in there and the TV volume was ridiculous. I had to let them know that there was no other guests in that building. Oh my goodness. Nor were there any guests on that side of the house closest to the building. Another time I was outside and saw a man walking down the hill. That's not a big deal, but something about where he came from and what he was wearing was just weird. So I started watching him to make sure nothing suspicious was going on. He continued down the hill for a few seconds more, and he simply 
disappeared. There's nowhere to hide or disappear to. He was just gone. So he's sitting there at the bar having a drink, Seth, and just asked the bartender, you you had any strange experiences here? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Then I also have a book written by Alan Brown, Haunted Vicksburg. This was written back in 2010. At the time, Peggy Schaefer was the manager at Cedar Grove, and she said that she and other members of the staff have smelled the strong aroma of pipe tobacco in the room on many occasions, usually in the afternoon. She also said that a photograph of the present owners had been placed on a small table in the gentleman's parlor. On occasion, she would walk into the room and she would find the photograph turned upside down. Oh. When she turns it right side up, the picture will again be upside down the next time she returns to the gentleman's parlor. And you know, guests aren't going to be doing that. No. The spirit of a young girl who died in Cedar Grove in 1919 has also been sighted in the old mansion. She likes to walk up and down the stairs. Although she's only been seen by people who believe in ghosts, both believers and skeptics have heard her footsteps creaking on the steps often at night. And Ted Mackey, who was one of the owners, had told author Sheila Turnage that one night, guests who were staying in a room at the top of the stairs were kept awake all night by the sound of small feet running up and down the stairs. The ballroom, which was the scene of that daughter who had shot herself, has had guests and staff see a hazy figure of a girl standing in the ballroom. A few people have heard the sound of a gunshot and glass shattering in the ballroom. They have run into the ballroom expecting the worst, but neither a gun nor a body have ever been found. Peggy Schaefer said that a number of guests and employees have seen shadowy figures walking up the stairs. One of the staff members heard the stairs creak at the same time that the specter was descending the stairs. In the early 1990s, a former manager was standing on the first floor when he saw a woman walk a few steps down the stairs and then just disappear. Immediately, he recognized the woman as a former tour guide who had died a few months before. Oh, wow. So this isn't even a soldier or a family member. She must have really enjoyed her time there. She was wearing the same type of antebellum dress that she had worn during the pilgrimage tours that they used to do, I guess. The manager was so frightened that he ran out the back door. The most common ghostly stories are the crashing sounds that shake the entire house. And I imagine that's probably residual. Yeah. Cannonballs hitting. Yeah. Ms. Schaefer and other employees have also heard a variety of eerie sounds in the old house. On many occasions, she's heard doors slamming and the sound of someone running down the stairs. She said that at night, she's heard someone walking across the gallery when everyone was asleep. One night, she was working at the front desk when she heard someone scream and then fall down the stairs. She rushed over to the stairs to see how badly the person was hurt, probably thinking, oh, God, we're going to get sued. And when she got there, there was nobody there. A few months later, she felt someone run past her. At the same time, the flowers sitting on a table also moved. Several guests have had strange experiences in the basement where the wine cellar used to be. Of course, as we've already discussed, this had been used as a morgue. In 2007, a couple staying in the morgue room turned off the lights in the library at the top of the spiral staircase and went to bed. They'd almost fallen asleep when they noticed that the light was turned back on in the library. The husband sleepily made his way up the spiral staircase, but no one was there. The ladies who work at the desk and in the restaurant also give tours to guests. One of these ladies, who wished to remain anonymous, has had a number of strange experiences in her three years at Cedar Grove Mansion. In 2008, she was working in the bar and restaurant area when she saw someone walk in the back door. She immediately stopped what she was doing and went to the front desk. When she walked into the lobby, no one was there. She became frightened when she looked all over the house and realized that she was the only one there at the time. A few days later, she was working at the front desk, and then out of the corner of her eye, she saw a man walk past her. He was wearing a suit from the 19th century. He went to the end of the short hallway and turned left into the bar area. She followed him to the bar to tell him that the bar was not open yet, and the bar was completely empty. 
The tour guide said that the guests have also had bizarre encounters in Cedar Grove. One evening, she was giving a tour of the house on the first floor. After about 20 minutes, she led the group up the stairs to the second floor. They were walking down the hallway when a woman who was spending the night stopped the tour guide. She said that something strange had happened to her right after she checked in and walked up to the room. She opened the door and noticed immediately that the bed was made, but the indentation of two tiny hands was clearly visible. Oh, wow. Trying to wake up mom and dad who aren't actually in the bed, I guess. Uh-huh. The bed was high, so the guests deduced that the child's ghost had tried to push herself up on top of the bed. Aw. So that'd be why you'd have kind of the firm <laughs> imprints. Yeah. The tour guide admitted that sometimes she has brought her small daughter to the house on the days when she's working. However, people have heard the laughter of small children and the sound of a ball rolling down the stairs on days when she's left her daughter at home. So she's like, it ain't my kid. One day, she and her daughter were at the front desk when they heard a door open on the second floor. The tour guide knew that no one was staying there at the time, so she and her daughter ran up the stairs to investigate. They found a room with the door open, but no one was inside. And Alan said that they did have one family that moved out of Cedar Grove and didn't want it anymore because the ghosts were so disruptive. Wow. Otherwise, they haven't seemed to really bother anyone else. Now, I would love the library suite, but I'd also want to stay in the room that was the nursery. <laughs> That's true. So we'd have I to love make interacting with kids. <laughs> we'd have to make friends with whoever's staying in there and go, do you mind if we like hang out for like an hour in your room? <laughs> Investigate. A couple pieces of equipment. Call upon some spirit children. <laughs> Although, I don't know. I, I always kind of think it's BS when they say that a spirit is just locked into one room. Because why? Why True. wouldn't you be able to go all over the yeah. house? Clearly, if we hang out by the stairs, the kids seem to like going up and down the stairs. True. There seems to be many different spirits in the inn, ranging from the family that died here to the soldiers who came to their ends here as well. Is there residual energy reliving past events over and over? Are there restless spirits messing with guests and staff in an intelligent manner? Is Cedar Grove Mansion haunted? That, that is for you to decide. decide. Just another reason to hit up Mississippi. I've never been to Vicksburg, just been to Natchez. So be fun to check that out. I mean, there's just so much Civil War history in just that area. When you mention Vicksburg, it's kind of like talking about Gettysburg. Right. You just you think Civil War. <laughs> of course, there's more to their history than just that. But that's what's locked in there. Yeah, I definitely want to go there. We'd love to have you guys go to our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you'd like to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com or on our various social media that we have out there. We've gotten a lot of comments from you guys lately on our videos and stuff. We really, really appreciate the feedback. Yes, indeed. We want to thank you for joining us on this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. Make more the happy boy and share the podcast. Both sides of the war had their eyes on Vicksburg. 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 <laughs>
It wasn't the most comfortable in the lower area of the helm. It was the helm out of the helm of the helm. I'm going to go in my helm right now. <laughs> That's when you try to mix Eat home and ham. house. <laughs> Eat some ham in my helm. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. With house. your ham dog. <laughs> <laughs> So the kids are having a little bit of fun. Fun? <laughs> They're having flummy fun? Flummy flun. <laughs> Apparently my tongue is having a lot of fun too. Have some flummy flum with some flam? Flan? Flan? <laughs> the tour guide admitted that someone she... The tour guide admitted that someone... The tour guide admitted that sometimes she has brought her small ball... Get it out, Tyan. Get it out. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.